for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Welcome back to True Patriot Ministries. Thank you for joining us again. It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, if you've not done so, please feel free to check out our website at truepatriotministries.org. And you can send us an email at reachout, R-E-A-C-H-O-U-T, at truepatriotministries.org. Feel free also to check us out on Facebook. We have a page there and on Instagram. So, And we look forward to hearing from you. Uh, feedback is always great to have. And uh, we just really hope you're enjoying these podcasts, um, at least as much as we are, because we have fun doing them. So... Let's start out today. I just want to pray over everybody right now, and then we'll get right into the message. Lord God, I just pray over everybody within the sound of my voice, Lord, that you would bless them, that your grace and your mercy would envelop them, Lord, that you would give them eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand. Glory to God, that they would see and hear the word of God, the word of truth, and receive it in their hearts. Father, grant them wisdom and revelation into you and your word and your way. And I ask you this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Okay, so today we're going to talk about walking in God's love. And you might ask, why is it so important? Because we bring this up often. Why is it so important to walk in God's love? And honestly, if you're not walking in God's love by choice, because it is a choice, then you're by default, which is also a choice, walking in the opposite of God's love, which is hate, um, evil, wickedness, however you want to look at it. It's, it's what the devil would have you walk in, which is not good. Because uh, we know that the enemy, the devil, he's only out to steal, kill, and destroy and so we don't want to be in that class. We really don't. We want to walk in God's love. And it's more of a challenge than you would think it would be. Because we are human. We have free will. We have, um, we are spirit, soul, and body. So even though we are a spirit man, reborn when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are a new creature born from above. We still have a soul, and that's the mind, the will, and the emotions. And we have a body. And those things don't always operate the way we want them to, 
And so we have to make sure that we are in charge of them because if we let them be in charge of themselves, they're going to get us into trouble. Let's dive right into 1 Corinthians. And I just want to cover chapter 13, verse 1. Go ahead and read the whole chapter. It's a short chapter and it's very similar. But verse 1 says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I have become as a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Basically, you're just noise. If you don't have love, it's just noise. It's just... How do I want to say it? Well, let's say it this way. There is no power in the Word of God when love is not involved. And we're not speaking of the world's love. We're talking about God's love, agape. And so... You can know the Word of God from front to back. And I know people who who can quote Scripture so much better than I can. The issue is, is that it's head knowledge. What they've done is they've taken courses and they've memorized the Word of God. And, it's, and so to them, it's not the Word of God. It's the Bible. It's a book. And they've memorized chapter and verse. And they can run it forwards and backwards and spit it out at you and, and beat you with it, whatever. And, but there's no love in it because they haven't allowed it to go from their head to their heart. And I'm going to show you how that happens as we go through this today. See, and another reason that, that love is so vital, walking in God's love is so vital is because it fulfills the law. And you might say, what law? Well, let's start with 10 commandments. It fulfills the 10 commandments. And there are so many ordinances. I'm not even going to I think uh, I might have said 635 the last time, and I think when I talked with my pastor, it was um, I may have misquoted, and it was 615. It's better than 600 ordinances. Now, if you look at Mark chapter 12, verses 30-31, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Loving God's your first commandment. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who's your neighbor? Well, that's anybody other than you is your neighbor. So how do we get this love? Because obviously the world doesn't equip us to love this way. Um, The world equips us to love quite differently. And so if we look at Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says, And hope does not disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When we receive Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit because he says he's going to send us the Holy Spirit to dwell with us. So he abides in us. He dwells in us. The Holy Spirit does. And he's known as the comforter, the counselor, the teacher, and so on. There's so many names for him. But when he comes to indwell us, the love of God comes with him. And so that's where we get it. So as soon as you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have received the Holy Spirit within you, and you have received the love of God within you. That's where we get it from. So it's a gift to us. It's not even ours until we receive it. And so, in 1 John 
chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So when you're reading scripture, you can, where you see the word of God, or when you see the word God, you can interchange love with that word. God so loved the world. Well, love so loved the world. And, and that's just an example, but you can interchange them because God is love. Now, because we know that God is love and that he loves us, we can rest in his word and in the power of his might. And Jesus, Jesus tells us, you know, hey, take my yoke. Give me your yoke, take my yoke. That's part of the covenant. You know, and his yoke is light. It is easy compared to ours. He took our yoke on himself so that we wouldn't have to. So let him have yours. Cast your cares upon him. Right? We should not be burdened with cares or worries, um, if you want to use that word instead of cares, but your concerns. And then his word and, and the power of his might, it, it performs things for us. Like... In Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 39. This is a great example. It, and it's a little lengthy, but we'll go through this. It says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. Yes, who is risen. Who is also at the right hand of God. Who also intercedes for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sakes we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. No, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, neither angels nor principalities nor powers, neither things present nor things to come, neither height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that's a mouthful. But he said a lot in there. If God's for us, who can come against us? We have God the Creator for us as children of God, as sons and daughters of God. He is for us. There is nothing in this world that can come against us that can defeat God. Because if God is for us, He's our protector. He is with us, and he abides in us through the Holy Spirit. Let me go on down through here. So, and basically, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. You know, it goes through tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. The answer to all of that is no. None of that can come between us. 
Nothing can separate us. So if we if we put on the full armor of God and we stand strong under persecution and we stand with God, we stand with Jesus, there's nothing that can divide us. That's important. So something else that this, that his might will perform for us is Isaiah 54, 17. And this is one of my, I like this verse, especially the first part of it. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. That first section right there, that's powerful. No weapon formed against you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. For your righteousness is of the Lord. He can't take from you what God gave you. You know, that's part of that covenant, that joint joint heirs. So it's you and Jesus together. That righteousness, that came through Jesus from God to you. It can't be taken from you. Okay? Verse, uh, let's go to Isaiah 58, 11. And I've got this one written up on my wall because I really enjoy this one. When you start looking at this and you start looking at the words that are in it, it really hits your heart because, I mean, well, let's go into it. Let's, it starts out, And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. That's pretty powerful. So, And that's the King James, and if you're not really good with the shalls and the thys and the thems, I can change it a little bit. It, so it'll say, And the Lord... The Lord shall guide you continuously and satisfy your soul in drought and make fat your bones. And you are like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. And and don't let the make fat your bones um, confuse you. Basically, that's that's like prosperous. Okay. Any, anything you need to prosper in any way, shape, or form, spiritually, um, mentally, physically, financially, whatever, it's there. That's what that's talking about. So he, he's talking about, one, he's going to be with you the whole time, guiding you, okay? And, and he's going to satisfy you. It's not going to be just enough. No, he's going to satisfy you. Glory to God. That's good. And where's he going to satisfy you? In drought and in dry places. So you can be in the middle of the desert and he's satisfying you. Look at Jesus. You know, he spent 40 days and nights in the desert. He was satisfied. Okay. So, and then um, another good one is 1 John 4, verse 4. Uh, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them which is the world, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And that relates right back up to these other three that we've read. Because you've got the Holy Spirit in you. And, and he's, he's greater than any devil in this world. I mean, there's, I'm sorry. He, he goes about roaring like a lion Seeking out who he might devour. That is not a lion. 
it says he goes about roaring as a lion. So he makes a lot of noise like a lion. But his power and his authority are so limited. That's why Jesus said, you've got the power to rebuke him. You use Jesus' name and you rebuke him. You cast him underfoot. And, and he, can't, he can't disobey. He's got to do it. Now, there are two places where walking in love is so vital. The first is in the body of Christ, or as we know it, the church. 1 Corinthians 12, and there's three verses I want to go over. Verse 12, verse 18, and verse 25. In verse 12, it says, For as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. And now in verse 18, it says, But now has God set the members of every one of them in the body as it has pleased him? In verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Now, this is vital because when you look at the very first one, uh, there are many members to the body. But it's one body. Just as your body has many members, but it's one body. Now, in verse 18, it says, God is the one that set the members in the body as it pleased him. So who are we to say to God, who is the creator, hey, I don't like where you placed me. And I refuse to be whatever part it is that you put me in as. Well, that's, that's, that's not honoring God. God and it's not honoring what he's done for us as believers it's it's an immature attitude and and if you've experienced that attitude don't feel bad don't walk away don't get offended don't be upset just understand you're not there yet and that there's a reason um, serving in the church is a great way to walk through this one and and Keith Moore at Faith Life Church out in Branson I have witnessed his church and the way the people in his church behave. And it is amazing. Um, their helps teams are probably one of the best I've ever seen because they, they just, they're everywhere and they're happy. They're, they're filled with joy and they're glad to see you. And it doesn't matter if you find somebody in the parking lot, or you find somebody driving the trolley, or you find somebody who's greeting you at the door. Even the people who are in the restrooms, making sure the restrooms stay clean and furnished. All the way down to the ushers, the choir, the band, you name it. They are all equally vital, and they know it. So you don't have, um, and we don't want in the church where one person is you know, upset because, well, why am I in the parking lot? Well, you're serving the church, okay? You're serving the body of Christ. And if that's the lowest position, it's actually the highest position. And that's, that's you just got to understand that growing through that, 
okay? Because how are you going to respect and honor the person who's in the parking lot when you're up on stage unless you've been the person in the parking lot? And it gives you that, that ability to relate. It gives you the ability to understand through your heart what it is to do that job and to have honor for those people. And when you honor those people, you honor God. So it's vital in the church that we, we respect each and every part of the body of Christ. That we honor it and we edify one another. Um, so let's go on to, I want to hit Psalm 133. And it's a really short one. It's three verses. It says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil of consecration poured on the head, coming down the beard, even the beard of Aaron, coming down upon the edge of his priestly robes, consecrating the whole body. It is like the dew of Mount Hermon coming down on the hills of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. And that was the amplified version. Um, and I really like that because it adds to the vision of it. Okay, so that unity is precious to the Lord. If it's important to him, it's important to us. For no other reason, he said this is important to me. And we honor him. And so it's important to us. And so part of the reason that I bring this up today is this is part of your love walk. And, and, uh, or part of walking in love, however you want to say it. And it's vital because this contributes to or takes away from the body of Christ. As we know in the physical body, if you have an injury or you have a part that's missing, broken, damaged, it affects the whole body. It doesn't just affect that part. You can't isolate it. You might be able to add a contraption here or there to kind of isolate it, but it's still affecting the body. It's the same with the body of Christ. If we have strife, which is nothing more than bickering back and forth, arguing, um, if you have envy, jealousy, and these are not things that you should have within the church. It seriously is not. And if we have it within the church, we need to step back and... and uh, Rectify it. And, and that's up to each pastor of every church. And I'm, I'm going to speak directly to the body of Christ. If you're a born-again believer and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if there is murmuring, if there is bickering, if there's somebody in your body that you, you don't like to be around, that you don't, can't keep your mouth shut around, whatever it is, you know. Um, you need to fix that. And it starts with you. And why does it start with you? Because you're the one I'm talking to. Okay? And I, I've talked to me before, too, because it's, it's, not, it's not acceptable in the body of Christ. That's how we get division within the church and then you end up having a popularity contest like some high school. And you've got half the church is enjoying this person and half the church enjoying that person. Well, if that person is angry at that person, then 
you know, now you've got half the church angry at the other half of church, and it doesn't get any better. It only gets worse. And then you split, and because those two people are still involved in the split, it's going to keep splitting until you correct the people. And until those people correct themselves. And so, the answer to a problem within the church, within the body of Christ, the answer is not to split the body of Christ. Okay? And that's, that's a schism, splitting the body of Christ. That's not the answer. Because if you, and I'm going to speak to each one of you, As a believer, if you honor what God honors, you will put yourself last and put the other first. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, if let's, let's say person A has an issue with person B. Every time they see person B, they just want to bicker with them and fight with them. Well, the answer is not to separate the two. The answer is that they need to, as individuals, address what's ailing them. When you get the flu, or you get a cold, or you get a sinus infection, you address what's ailing you. It's the same in the body of Christ. Sickness and disease so to speak, have no place in the body of Christ. And so that needs to be addressed, and they need to get together and address it. Then separation is not what you do. Separation leads to popularity contests and, and failure at church, and we don't need that. We need to get back to making sure that we're walking in love, that God is first in our life, and if God's first in our life and his love dwells within us, then there has got to be a way to rectify the situation between the two because, let's face it, the situation comes down to this. One of them or both of them are only thinking of themselves. You don't do that in the body of Christ. Not for long anyway. So anyway, let's move on from there. Um, I just wanted to make sure to get that out there because we witness um, a lot of churches splitting, especially here in America. You, you witness, I have witnessed several that for one reason or another, and, and typically, like I said, it's somebody gets bent out of shape and then it becomes a popularity contest. Well, two thirds goes with this one and a third with that one or half and half or whatever. And that's what I've seen happen. Silliness, silliness in the body of Christ. Why? Because they're looking at themselves first and they're not looking to God and they're not looking at the body of Christ and saying, I honor the body of Christ. If a parking spot will cause you to divide your church, that's a problem. It truly is. And it, I mean, that's, and that sounds pretty silly, but I'm serious. It's as silly as that. And, and a lot of times it's as simple as that. So anyway, let's move on from there. 
So we, we started out with there are two places where walking in love is so vital. And we said the first is in the body of Christ or the church. So what's the second? Well, the second place that it's so vital is outside the body of Christ. That's pretty big. What do you mean specifically? No, that's what I mean. Outside the body of Christ. Okay? So there's the body of Christ and there's everywhere else. That's the other place it's so vital. Why? Because we are the witness to the unsaved. Are they seeing something? Are they seeing anything in us that draws them to us? That's a big question. And so when we're out in the world, don't put on an act. And and that goes two ways. So you can put on an act that makes you look like you're holier than thou or you're a better person than you really are or whatnot. Or you can be out in the world and a little bit of fear get into you or a little bit of intimidation or whatever you want to call it and you're putting on an act of I'm stronger than I look and I'm this and I'm that and I'm, you know, I'm macho, whatever. That's the witness that the world sees. So is that all the further your faith goes when you're out in the world? Is that you've got to put on this air of holier than now or macho or whatever, meek, you know, don't put on an air. Put on God. Okay, be who you are in Jesus. So, And that's why it's so vital, so important to get down in your heart who you are in Christ. Because that's your identity. And when you have that for an identity, there's nothing that can separate you from it. You become fully convinced, fully convicted. And you can walk through the world and you're not, you're not concerned about, are people going to like me for who I am? Because you already know one, God does. And if he's for us, who can be against us? And you know Jesus does? He signed on the dotted line with his blood. Okay? And you know the Holy Spirit does? He came to indwell you. So, um, let's look at Psalm 1. And it's short. It's three verses. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight, it's in the Lord. It's in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season. Its leaf will not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. Well, I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good to me. Now, we want to be careful here because it says, uh, it starts out with, you know, you don't want to sit in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You want godly counsel. You're a believer, okay? Again, go right on back to you are in this world, but not of this world. Okay, we're born from above. We are spirit. We are soul and we are body. And, and so we want to counsel with godly people. Um, that's also how, like in my last episode, I talked about filling the cracks. And 
If you haven't heard that yet, go back and listen to it. You'll understand what I'm talking about here. But if you are walking in the counsel of the ungodly, and I'll just take a quick example here. Uh, let's talk about a rough marriage. Husband goes to work. Now, I'm going to say husband because I'm a man and I have relate to this. I've actually witnessed this kind of stuff happening. And uh, it's ridiculous. So you're, you're a man, you're a husband, you go to work, you work all day long. It's Friday evening. You get off work, but you don't go home. Instead, you sit in the parking lot with the guys because, you know, hey, we all want to hang out before we go home. And, you know, the wives got a list of things for us to do. So we sit there and we drink beer. And what do we do? We talk bad about our wives. Now, that's because there's not a godly man in the bunch. And if there is, he should be more godly than being there drinking. He should either A, stand up and say, guys, you're wrong, and this is why. Or he should leave before the drinking starts. Um, and that's, that's why. Because when you, so let's take that guy. If he gets in the habit of three, four, five days a week, hanging out after work, drinking beer with the guys, and listening to them talk bad about their wives, even though he loves and cherishes his wife and he walks with the Lord, well, he's now opened a crack up for the devil to get in there and start working on his marriage because that junk is going to get on him. You can't be around it and not have it get on you. And so then he's going to start taking that junk home. He's going to start getting short with his wife. She's going to start questioning why he has to hang out after work so long. They're going to start bickering back and forth. And you next, next thing you know, you got a 70% divorce rate. And it, it happens, guys. You have to be the man of fortitude who's going to say, and it applies to women too in the office. Don't get me wrong. So women, this goes for you too. You've got to be the man or the woman who is so rock solid in Jesus that you see what's going on and you do not partake. But instead, you go home to your spouse. And if anybody ever addresses you and says, hey, why don't you? What are you too good for us? Help them. Politely, be nice, help them. Let them know, look, hey, all you guys do is drink and badmouth your wives. I love my wife and I don't want that in my relationship and therefore I don't take, take part in it. Now, if you guys want to sit around and, and talk about how great your, your relationship is at home, then I'll come and share how great my relationship is at home. But I'm not going to put my relationship at risk for your ego. You know, you just don't partake. And that's, that's why that's so important about the counsel of the ungodly. Now, you don't want to sit in the path of the, or stand in the path of sinners either. Don't stand in their way. Don't be so abrupt, so uh, don't be that one that beats everybody with the Word of God, okay? Or the seats of the scoffer, you know, oh yeah, right, you're never, you're never going to do that, no, 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 whatever. Don't, don't be that person. Look, it's the body of Christ. We're to edify people. We're to uplift. We're to show them, to witness to them, whether directly or indirectly, the person that they want to be. And if you're bad-mouthing people, um, if you're bad-mouthing your church, 
if you know what anything like that you you're just not being the witness you know you could even be your mother-in-law ha 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 and that's a joke um if you're bad mouthing if you're murmuring it, it's it's not a good witness it's it's not the light of Jesus Christ needs to shine through you so that people are drawn to you and if they're drawn to you they're drawn to Jesus and that's how we win okay um so the great thing about this is in, in here in verse two, it says delight in the law of the Lord and in his law, he meditates day and night. Well, we saw earlier, Jesus gave us the law, the two commandments, right? Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. There's your commandments. Okay. Meditate that. Think about it. Well, what does that look like? Visualize it. Okay. And it says that he, which is now you, will be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water, which means there's constant nourishment. There's never a dry time. And that you bring forth your fruit in your season. You're fruitful. Okay. That's good because fruit is not just for you. Fruit is typically for others also. It's usually an overwhelming abundance, and you can't help but share it. Your leaf will not wither, and whatever you do will prosper. Well, that sounds pretty good to me. And honestly, the world does see us by the fruit that we produce. And I'll show you an example of this. Let's jump into Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 33. It says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? Now he's, he's speaking to a specific person here, so don't take this to heart just yet. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now that's vital. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word that men speak, they will give an account on the day of judgment. Take that to heart. Every idle word that men speak, they will give an account on the day of judgment. I wish I'd have known that when I was like 10. So verse 37, For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So, and, and that's a little heavy, but that's how vital it is to make sure you know what's getting into your heart and what's coming out of your mouth. If you're not sure what's getting into your heart, listen to your mouth. You, you'll know. And if you don't like what's coming out of your mouth, start changing what's going into your heart. Start changing what's in front of your eyes, in front of your ears. And, and you'll start changing what's in your heart. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, it says, I exhort, therefore, that, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good 
and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Now, it's something that I do want you to, to catch right here, okay? So, look at how many times he said all. I mean, let's go verse 1. There's, oop, he said all twice. So, verse 2, he said all, right? Twice. In verse 3, no. In verse 4, he said all. In verse 5, verse 6, he says all. So there's several verses where he refers to all, okay? All men, all that are in authority. Um, verse 4, all men. Verse 6, gave, gave himself a ransom for all. There's no discrimination here. And, and that's key. So God doesn't look at... Anything. He doesn't look at the color of your eyes. He doesn't look at the size of your nose, your ears. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't care if you're knock kneed or not. He doesn't care if you're pigeon toed. And I'm talking some ridiculous stuff here because he just flat doesn't care. He doesn't care about your skin color, your hair color, whether you have hair, whether you don't. If your beard's too long, if your beard's too short, if your mustache curls to the left and not to the right, he does not care. What he does care about is your heart. And that, he knows your heart. You can't hide it from him. Folks, you don't surprise God. He's going to surprise you, but you don't surprise him. So, and, 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 glory to God. Walking in love is vital. Do you want to see what the absence of walking in love looks like? Go out there and search for every riot video you can find. Now, I'm not speaking peaceful protest. Peaceful protest doesn't interfere with people's lives. It, it doesn't use intimidation and it doesn't threaten. Okay? So, anytime you have a group of people who are standing there yelling at you, screaming at you, trying to intimidate you to get you to behave the way they do. I'm sorry, that's not peaceful protest. That's a violation of your rights. Just saying. So if you want to see what the absence of love does, go watch a riot. They don't care. And, and quite honestly, the more of them get together and behave that way, the more animalistic they become. And the more animalistic they become, the less they care about what it is they do to others. And the more the thrill and, and the excitement gets to them. Because they've opened a crack and allowed the devil in there, whether they're saved or not, and he's having a heyday with it. Flat having a heyday with it. You have to remember it's spiritual warfare. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Okay? And, and we have to recognize that. 
Now, unfortunately, in that situation, yeah, there's got to be some law enforcement in there to help out, to protect people. Okay? Because even though that, that section of people are there throwing a temper tantrum for nobody knows what reason, it's definitely not the reason they claim. It, it it actually takes away from what they're trying what the other people the pro the actual protesters are trying to accomplish which is is just basically awareness you know um, Martin Luther King was was a great man and uh, he is somebody that I myself I I desire to know more about him. And learn more about him in truth, not somebody's fictional twist on what he actually did. But, you know, in truth, knowing what what drove him and, and it was the love of God. I mean, come on. He was the most peaceful man protesting. I think the world has seen and then maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm biased. I don't know. I try not to be. But anyway, um yeah, that's what walking without love in your life looks like. And like I said at the beginning, if you're, it, it doesn't matter. It's black and white. You're, you're walking in love or you're not. There's really not a gray area because it, now remember, God sees your heart. And we're talking about the heart of things. So you either have a heart with God's love in it, or you don't. If you have a heart with God's love in it, you're going to get checked every time you go to do something that is selfish or hurting somebody else. And we all know it. It's called a conscience. You, you can't get away from it. If you're walking without love, that's by choice too. That's why it's so vital that we be the light. That we walk in love and we allow people to see us through our light. So that they are drawn to us and away from the enemy. Okay. Jesus would that not one is lost. Not one. That means every person in this world has value to Jesus. We're to be the light, the witness, the attractant. Not fake, but true, real. Okay, don't be fake. Be real. Put some effort into it. Get planted in a good church. Uh, surround yourself with, with godly people. Um, open the book. Open the Bible. Read it. Start in the New Testament. Read it a few times before you ever get back in the Old Testament. It'll help you because the New Testament's where we're based. So that's enough for today. Let me recommend to you to read uh, in the book of Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7. The whole chapters. That's three chapters. And then when you're finished with that, jump into Romans. And you're going to read two chapters, chapters 8 and chapter 10. And this should help you to understand love as it was modeled by Jesus. And also the new birth and the spirit life a little bit better. And it's, I, I just want you to have that there to, to improve with. Um, and then 
feel free to jump on over to our website, truepatriotministries.org. You can go to our blog uh, page on that one, and I'll post these notes to it. And along with the links to the these following book recommendations that I'm going to make. Now, all three of these books are by uh, the author Kenneth E. Hagan. Uh, he was a great pastor, great minister. Uh, the first book is The Believer's Authority. And uh, read them in order. So read The Believer's Authority first. The second one is How You Can Be Led by the Spirit of God. Read that one second. And then the third one is The Name of Jesus. And obviously read that third. These books are great. I'm setting myself up now to to read these books, to read, go through all three of them, um, preferably in a month. It may take me a little bit longer to go through all three again. But it's just, it's really solid teaching. And it's, it's very helpful. And so, anyway, I hope you've enjoyed today. Um, I love you guys, and like I said, reach out to us. Uh, reach out at truepatriotministries.org. Find us on Facebook or Instagram, and drop us a line. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore he says when he ascended on high, He led captivity captive and gave gifts to men.